down the far side. Got a man open in the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills. What a pair of hands. Layman showing blitz. There's the blitz. yesterday, man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. You have to get a scared man, scared team. Super job, you're a champion, undisputed champions. All right, everybody, welcome to the Bud, Berry, Bob, and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Kamir Marabian, and I am joined by... Two very awesome people, uh, dudes that run some special uh, special podcasts that I really like listening to. Jared and Daryl from the Just Okay Sports Podcast. Jared, Daryl, glad you guys are here. Uh, you know, some guy just committed to OU. Um, <laughs> it's good news for the Sooners. It seems like uh, where where you guys where you guys at? How how are we feeling? Uh, how are you guys feeling tonight? Especially after this commitment. I mean, like we we play on the podcast eight thirty. I. Uh, I was unaware of the time of when of, of the exact time when stone was actually going to commit, of course. Yeah. And then just very ha- handy that David stone commits the USC gives up the third and 22. Of course, I think they're winning by like more than three scores now, but USC just give up a third and 22, like right after. <laughs> and then you can exhale now that the whole stone business is now kind of uh, somewhat over. I mean, like should be over. By, had, by the uh, way, question, was the third yeah. 22 to a tight end? I didn't get to see it. I don't have Pac-12 Network. so It was a, I think it was a quarterback just scramble and run, nice. which is Look. very fitting of an Alex Grinch defense. And yeah, here you that's... go. It is uh, also, it's 21-14, boys and girls. Oh, okay, oh, wow. so they sputtered again wait, wait, okay, and let San Jose State. It's the powerhouse San Jose State, though. We got to we gotta put Come that on. in there. It's the powerhouse. I, you know? There, I, we, we all know San Jose State <laughs> is close to a blue bud. You know, they're almost, yeah. almost a blue bud. What they is claim it? three what, national titles. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's incredible because... I mean, the game started off slowly. It was 7-7, and then USC scores two straight, 21-7. I was yeah. like, okay, they're really about to turn it on. And apparently, I because I, I just stopped watching it, and it sounds like they're creeping back into the game, and uh turns out, you know, having doing P90X and yoga for uh, your strength and conditioning program doesn't work well. I mean, like, it's not just Whittingham and other Pac-12 coaches that are – talking trash or, or just Whittingham talking trash on USC's front seven on defense in particular, everybody knows that they are just so weak up front. And it's, it's interesting that they, on the broadcast briefly, they mentioned, Oh, the legacy of Caleb Williams at USC. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Hasn't he only been there one year? One year yeah. Yeah. So I just like, was like, I, I was like hanging out with my wife. I was like, wait a minute. They just say the legacy of Caleb Williams at USC. <laughs> And he's, this man's only been there. Like, granted, like he, he's probably like one of the best players that's probably come through college football in a long time, generational athlete. I was like, this man is three and done. Uh, he's he I mean, even if he gets injured this year, he's going to the draft. And but anyways, let's talk about stuff. I mean, like things have happened. Um, let's oh. let's go ahead and get started off pretty hot. Let's let's start talk, let's start talking about David Stone. I mean, like there have been other commits. We'll talk about those guys as well. Um, but David Stone also the best defensive lineman in this class 
top 10, uh, some services, top five, some services before this was uh, top two. <laughs> so like, I mean, it has been, this is the first time Oklahoma has gotten the first, the number one defensive lineman in a class in a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, Brent, uh, he didn't start getting those types of guys to year, year three in Clemson. And he got PJ out of out of in, in year one. Um, as the full-time head coach, and then he pulls in a David Stone, which, of course, yeah, he's at IMG, but he's no KC kid at heart as well, mm-hmm. uh, and he knows where they, they go to develop talent. And he, So he's already gotten two five-star guys right on the defensive line. Uh, you know, Jared, I'm coming to you first. What what were your initial thoughts? I mean, like, because there was all this drama, all this buildup. Oh, Miami, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. NIL, right. how much cash is being thrown around? Uh, what, were your, what are your thoughts as soon as you saw David Stone commits ESPN2 or just saw it on Twitter or something? I don't know. Yeah, I was actually watching on ESPN2. It was funny because, like, I was in the Discord. And of course, everybody was, you know, sunshine <laughs> or doom. There was, like, there's no in-between. With <laughs> yeah, this. of course. There's no, there has to be no in-between. <laughs> right. Well, and with and with David Stone, he's played it up so big on yep. uh, Twitter sure. and Instagram and whatever. Like, he's flame that fire which the guy the guy knows how to drive uh uh interactions on his on his he was having fun feet. yeah oh, and that's yeah. why like i saw a lot of people hating and i'm like look this is a once in a lifetime thing for him like i you know you can say whatever you want about it but mm-hmm. um it like i said it left everybody questioning like i said they were it, it was funny because like i was watching the broadcast and it was like they were talking about david stone's commitment more than they were the play on the field yep. um so you know, he knows how to play it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's a big get. I, I see it as a symbolic commitment um, because he's going to get, com- he's going to get uh, recruited to the very end. Until the ink dries mm-hmm. on the paper, there's going to be people in his, on his phone and in his doorway uh, trying to get him. But it's a very symbolic commit as the number one, like you said, number one guy. So that's something that they can plant a flag in and go to other guys. They look like we're building something and that it gives you some of that rec- recruiting momentum. So I, I mean, I think it's a big get, but it's going to be Brent and them are going to have to fight tooth and nail to the very end to get make sure that his name is actually signed on the paper. And those yeah. kids that Oklahoma is after, those highly touted kids are already tweeting out like you know those cryptic messages. Of course, when a top five or you know top ten recruit definitely commits, and I like the I like the fact that you mentioned that during the game the we're talking more about his commitment than what was actually happening during the game because IMG is filled with like. Excellent yes. athletes mm-hmm. that are highly touted. And Phil Picciotti it went to IMG. That dude got bigger, and he looks already like he's already ready to play, like mm-hmm. physically, anyways. But it speaks to the gravity of the, that signing, not just in general, but that signing specifically for Oklahoma as they head into next year, knowing like probably the depth that Oklahoma has or maybe doesn't have on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. And so, Daryl. What were your thoughts on the matter? Like, did you see it on Twitter? When when did it pop up for you? How did you see it? (laughs) So, oddly enough, uh, got home and my son, right as it's coming up to halftime, starts to lose his mind, our two-and-a-half-year-old, and wants to go for a walk. So I was like, fine, we're going for a walk. And then, like, we have a rule in our home, no phones when we're on the walk. So I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I'm, like, just dying to, like, please like, let me feel my phone, like just start going off. So I know like that it's probably been a good thing. And then luckily he left something at the house. So I run back to the house and I turned (laughs) it on the phone real quick. I was like, okay, like we got him, you know? Uh, So that's how I saw it was on ESPN two that way. But I mean, like you don't want to like try to always play the like 
super extreme statement, but I mean, because of what they're losing, this was a necessary. That's yes. the thing. Like everybody here, you're going to the SEC. Okay. Yes, that's true. But if you weren't like, if Co was here another year, if, you know, mm -hmm. DJ, okay, you need him, but you know, you could maybe survive. Right. But you're losing all those guys. Um, yep. Jordan Kelly. I mean, I think we lose four out of that room. Yeah, it's, about, it's it's a large number, and it's because of Alex Grinch's recruiting philosophy. Yep, and yeah. so it was, I mean, it was a big fist pump for me of just, we got to get this guy in the boat. And like you said, now both those things, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because not only do you go to guys right now and go, we're going to play in the SEC, which is a pitch, right? We're losing four guys that are going to be playing, three of them a lot, we're, are going out the door. We just got stone, so that's going to help you. We have PJ, that's going to help you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. there should be some legit momentum. And it's not as if they didn't have it already. I mean, Jared mm -hmm. and I have talked about this at nauseum. Okay, you missed on Nawari. That's terrible. You wanted him. But, like, your your consolation prize is going to be, like, what? Stone, Nigel Smith, and Nigel Danny Okoye. <laughs> Nigel I mean, Smith like, is more than acceptable you, than that. Right. Opinion, right. That's what I mean. So, <laughs> it's like – so, but now you wonder, like, can you get in the ear of Dominic McKinley more? And mm -hmm. I still think Texas leads, but like, can you say, hey, y'all two together? Like, yeah. it's going to be pick your poison. You're going to get your matchups with PJ out there. You're like, just be interesting to see what it goes. So, I mean, thrilled, pumped. I was so sick of all the other fan bases just harping on the poorness of Oklahoma, the Brent doesn't know what he's doing, and this, that, you know, all the stuff. And this, at least for a moment, quiets all that for just a little bit and makes it fun to be an Oklahoma fan. And yeah. suddenly Oklahoma's NIL is rich again and not poor. It's it's funny <laughs> yeah. how it works like that, you oh, know? Gosh. But uh you know but Jared, what were you gonna say? I was just say I well and it's like the Williams and the Wary thing. We were talking about this and I said, you know, my like tinfoil hat thing was he almost had to commit to Mizzou if he was ever going to because they need that momentum. Like OU's mm -hmm. OU needs it also. Like everybody needs that level of momentum, right? But at the same time, it's like Mizzou has nothing. If they get a big guy like Williams in there, then it's like, okay, now you're suddenly going to actually start getting some momentum and all that. And it's like, again, you, you don't think Brent's talking to him and coming after him just as hard as he was two or three weeks ago or whatever. Um, so, yeah, David Stone's a big get, but Williams Nowhere is like, I think he could end up in the boat at the end of this too if, if OU has a season that they could have. And Jaden Jackson, um, those guys as IMG teammates want to play together, which is already a good thing. I think Jaden Jackson gets his fourth star on all services this coming season. Uh, Nigel Smith is a guy that they're hot on his tail. Like you said, McKinley is a guy that they're definitely in on. Like that battle is not going to be over for a while. No. I could see no. that thing going down to the wire. Um, yeah. And and uh, yeah, William, uh, Williams win Winery. That guy, he is. I mean, I don't. I don't think it is not intentional or I don't think it's accidental anyways to say that he's still wearing his OU gear to his high school football games, even though he's committed <laughs> to Mizzou because they've signed a state law says, Hey, we can give you money uh, basically until you sign a letter of national intent. It doesn't really mean anything about actually going to Mizzou. So I'm really curious about that and yeah. what that means, but it definitely makes you feel more <laughs> confident about the, defensive line room going forward because mm -hmm. Oklahoma has been able to recruit edges and those yes. guys. I mean, they've yep. been able to recruit them really well. I mean, it's to the yeah. point where you're having to bulk them up and move them inside yes. like Jonah Ulu, <laughs> right? Yeah. And 
And so it's nice to get a, a big win because of the last two really big misses um, in Hicks. Uh, and and uh, I, I, try, no I forget the other one because, uh, you know, it, you know, it just it harms you so much. So sometimes <laughs> you just forget about it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you just lose two guys in a row and in, in subsequent years. And they were five star defensive linemen mm-hmm. and they had ties to OU. And so. It was a lot of like, oh my gosh, please don't do this again. Please don't do this yes. again. Please don't do this again. So yes. I imagine your walk, uh, Daryl, was a one a really. You're already probably really happy on that walk in general, but <laughs> a little extra pep in your step, if you will. Oh but, heck yeah! Uh, let's talk about other couple of commits that happened just really recently as well within the last uh-huh. couple of days. Yeah, uh, you've got Andy Bass. This is a guy from Heritage Hall. Yep. He plays quarterback, but they're listing him as an athlete. The guy uh, can play probably some safety-ish, maybe some wide receiver slot, probably more and more so wide receiver slot. Um, he is athletic. Uh, mm-hmm. He is an okay preps guy that seems very Brent Venables-y. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the way I would phrase it. Yes, uh, but you also get Eli Bowen, a cornerback out of, of you know his brother Peyton Bowen. So cornerback out of Denton, he is not as big as his brother. He's f- about five foot nine, five ten, depending upon yeah. what service maybe or what kind of cleats he's wearing as well. Out of um, so five foot nine, as far as what he's being advertised as, another three star guy. But again, they're in their senior years; those things fluctuate. Uh, Daryl, I'm going to come to you first. What are your thoughts on the commitments of Andy Bass and Eli Bowen as well? Because I don't want to skirt over those guys just because David's own commitment happened. Like, yeah, that's a big deal. But there's some other guys that just jumped in the boat too. Right. I mean, to start with Eli Bowen, you know, I haven't had a chance to really dig into his tape. But like reading other people's just kind of write-ups, he's interesting to me because it feels like depending on who you read, it's like, eh. He's a guy, and then there's others that are like, dude, like the ceiling with this guy is really, really high, and I don't know which one it is. But either way, um, you love to have the guy. He's from a great program in Texas, big win. And look, if if whatever coaching he's gotten, whatever is in the DNA strand, whatever of his brother, if he's got some of that, this is a guy you want in the room. I mean, I think that's one thing that we've all taken right from – listening to his older brother in these interviews going, holy crap, his IQ is through the roof. So if Eli just brings that, that IQ level, because let's be honest, Grinch and company brought some great athletes, but our big complaint was these guys have no flipping clue about just the new one. Like Jared and I have ranted about this when it's third and two and your corners lining up eight yards (laughs) off, like what are you doing? And then not only that, but starting to backpedal at the snap, like, Okay, you want to bait them into the throw. Fine. No, no, no. We're bailing out. It's like you just handed them a first down. So it's those little things that they just could never figure out. Whereas you're seeing the guys come in now, understand those nuances. Now over to Andy Bass. Dude, okay, this is one of those guys that I'm huge on. I think – I think is – I love his take. Okay, let's just break it down. If I just said not a white kid, not from Heritage Hall – from Texas, and I said he's 5'11", 6 foot, 200 pounds, and he has dropped a laser 437, we would be losing our minds right now. Yeah. But the reality is he's a quarterback at a small 3A slash 4A school, depending on the year. Hashtag OK Preps. Right, you know, and dude, like, and I personally feel like, I don't know what the staff's full plan. My, my 
my sense of it is, is he's kind of the Caden Durham fill for now. Mm, and I think they'll play like with that. him when he gets there, but he's that same kind of speed, same kind of build, a guy that you can put in the backfield and split out to the slot. Right. Also a guy because of his quarterback background, Good Lord knows what else you can draft up with him. And especially we start thinking Jackson Arnold with his running ability. Like mm-hmm. there's some fun things you can do there. And so, yeah. And, and last, sorry, I'm ranting so much, but no, you're good. I love, I, I love the emphasis on Oklahoma kids, not just because I'm from here and played Oklahoma ball, but one thing, man, like as just a kid who grew up loving the red river rivalry game, right. Shootout, whatever, like whatever you call it. I still call it the, the shootout. The edge <laughs> that used to be in that game, though, was because it was loaded with Texas kids and it was loaded with Oklahoma kids on the Oklahoma roster. Mm-hmm. And then as you start going to California and you start, like, honestly, like, let's be real. Kenny Stills was the one California guy that we saw that, like, embraced OU Texas. Like, yep. literally just full hated them with everything within him and showed it on the field when you start bringing these Oklahoma kids that have grown up with that, that week leading up to just that game is going to have a completely different atmosphere in that locker room because the what that he throws data, no, no slight to him. He doesn't like, he didn't grow up watching that. Like, he's like, I guess it's our rival. I guess I'm getting up. Like Andy Bass, like cried himself to sleep some years because of this game. And now he's sure. playing in it. That, that changes everything in there. So I'm super excited about him. No, I think I think I think it's important to acknowledge again, like this, like this, the statistics you just brought up about Andy Bass. I love all what you just said about him because that's important to acknowledge. And I think because he's an okay preps guy, he is being underrated just because of that. And despite the fact that Oklahoma has produced so much talent, but it's gone to Arkansas, but it's gone to Ohio State and yeah. Michigan. And I, I've been dying for them to get back into at least Tulsa um, yes. and some other schools in which they got Gentry Williams from Booker T. And I was like, that's yeah. a massive win because yes, it was. Arkansas has been killing them in Booker T for the longest time. Um, and I, And Eli Bowen, like you mentioned, I love that point. And it's a great point as well that that team – like they they are well coached and yes. his floor if anything he's a role player his mm-hmm. floor is going to be significantly higher than a lot of other guys that come in there and with the lesser knowledge of it and of course like you mentioned he's got his brother right there who is not going to redshirt i can tell you right now that Peyton <laughs> Bowen there's no chance that dude redshirts nope. at all he's playing a lot of those snaps etc but Jared, what what are your thoughts on on Andy Bass, Eli Bowen that we maybe we haven't already touched on, or just general thoughts at, at all? Well, I think I, like one thing people have to, but I think we kind of touched on a little bit, but it's the sim the symbolic nature of getting your in state kids right because Oklahoma, while it's not as fertile a ground as Florida or California or Texas or whatever, it's like pretty much now it's about every year you have a high ceiling kid coming out of yes. here, and those guys you haven't even you know. Like you said, you've missed on pretty much all of them over the last power Miles years. Flusher, Cam Curl, right? <laughs> um, so there's there's a there's a bunch of that. So like you know, and that's what coaches can use that. Like you said, in Arkansas and Ohio State, Michigan, wherever they say like, look, Oklahoma's not recruiting you kids, right? Mm-hmm. And like they don't care to get in state kids. And Brent's changing that perspective a lot. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that. But like you said, Andy Bass is a kid that I think is one of those. Uh, like, I think he'd be a very high IQ kid. He's a bring your lunch pail and get to work kind of kid. 
um, which, you know, is funny to say about a kid that's, you know, quote unquote undersized. But, um, you know, I think he could bring a lot to that to that uh, team. Um, I just I, like he seems like a kid that has a lot of leadership capability, too. Mm-hmm. So um, and Eli Bowen, it's the same thing. It's a uh, it is almost as symbolic with him, too, as in bringing in, um, I guess you'd call it a legacy with, you know, his brother being there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's a kid that, you know, one one thing that I think people forget is it's like it's not totally unheard of for these kids to have a growth spurt. Right. I mean, right. you know, in a growth spurt for him, if he if he adds two inches between now and the time he gets to, to Norman, it's like, well, that's a, that's a we're having a different conversation about him all sure. of a sudden. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I think he's a really high ceiling kid. I think there's a lot of stuff that I've seen um, from what I have seen of his film. He looks really good. Andy Bass's film looks really good. Andy Bass has that. Um, and I think this is something that, you know, maybe Levy or even Brent's looking for is that just like you watch them and it's like that quickness, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. even though Andy Bass has a very, uh, very good 40, it's like the way that he can just go from zero. Yeah. It's yeah. He just goes from zero to gone in, in no time flat. Um, and I think, you know, Levy's probably just drooling looking, like you said, the quarterback play running back slot, like what, like you could put him at so many different positions at so many weird packages that mm-hmm. it's like they're gonna have he's he's just that wild card so um i'm pretty hyped for him i mean i think it's uh like i said i it's really funny because when williams nowhere committed to mizzou everybody was like kind of went back to doom and i'm like guys like you have a lot of guys and like like you said now we have david stone but as even before that i was like any bass and eli bowen are both great gets like we mm-hmm. have to acknowledge that and brent's yeah. really not while you're gonna have misses here and there it's the momentum is in a <laughs> very good direction in my opinion and like the narrative right now changes on Brent, right? All right, and like that's kind of like the sh- the shitty part about college football, but it's also the reality of college football. Uh, what have you done for me lately? I mean, the man's oh, bringing yeah. Oklahoma another top. I mean, he's going to bring in Oklahoma another top ten class, specifically a just because they need to bring in that many recruits, right? But also because the quality of players they're also getting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like doing that in the back-to-back seasons when, I mean, I don't try to throw shade on Bob's name, but when Bob didn't really do that, Bob recruiting wasn't oh. really Bob's thing anyways, yeah. but uh, even Lincoln Riley didn't achieve those marks as well in this era, especially the NIL era where Oklahoma is poor one week and they are rich another week and they're <laughs> cheating another week. It's just incredible to follow that storyline. I, I just love following it. It's just, it's beautiful, but let's go on to something that, I really want to get your opinions on because we just, uh, I just mentioned it briefly. I think we can all agree that Peyton Bowen, no chance this young man red shirts at all in any capacity. Um, Injury only. That's the only way that is the only like season ending injury is it. And knock on wood, you know, and and like that, that this, this weather coming up this coming Saturday, I've been worrying about the wide receivers and the, and the cornerbacks they are going to be rotating in and out like crazy. So I think they will be, run the ball quite a bit, but what are other players with besides Bowen? Because that guy's getting a ton of snaps already just in camp and at mm-hmm. several positions, not even just safety, nickel, cheetah, whatever. He's getting snaps everywhere. Definitely not getting redshirted. Are there any other players that you guys feel like in this freshman class, maybe like an Adebaware that also don't get redshirted or are there other guys that they just get their four games in and they're out? I mean, I PJ, right? Like, I mean, PJ is a dude that you look at on that roster, and even when he's standing next to seniors, he doesn't look different. 
you know um that he's just built different he's wreaked havoc when you watch the under uh under was it under armor i think he was in mm -hmm. all american mm -hmm. game just absolutely dominated um and he's you know he's going against top tier talent and it, like i said it again looked like a upperclassman going against freshmen in that a game. grown man uh, yeah yeah so i definitely think pj and like probably my dark horse pick for somebody that's not gonna be a red shirt um is uh jack west petaway um Ooh. so i just think yeah. he's like a guy that could i think he's got wheels i think he's um when you see him he physically looks uh like he looks more impressive than i thought he was gonna look so i just it's kind of like my dark horse <laughs> i would say that that's kind of like the under the radar pick but those are probably my two what? guys I'd say I'd say Petaway definitely doesn't redshirt no. either. He is the guy yeah. that is is wreaking havoc in camp as well. And yeah. I mean, again, Oklahoma. I mean, if anybody's listening to this podcast, they know that I've been like really concerned about wide receivers for like the mm. last basically <laughs> however many months. And so Jaquez Petaway getting in there, I don't think he redshirts at all. But no. I, I'm yeah, PJ Adebowale. That dude makes everybody look like their kids, but he goes to Oklahoma and they love our Mason Thomas. They love mm -hmm. Desan McCullough. And so it's yeah. like, you know, like how many games does he really get? Is he a situational guy? Is right. he a wrinkle guy they throw in for Texas? Like, like it's so Adebawari is an interesting case to me just because of how many edges they have. So that's a really intriguing thing. Uh, yeah. Daryl, who, who do you think maybe doesn't redshirt? If we've already said all of them. No, I the the two that I think will be interesting to see what happens with is going to be Lewis Carter and Sammy Omasigo on the defensive Ooh. side. Uh, okay. So obviously everybody's heard all the reports about Lewis Carter's bench press and all that stuff from Danny Stutzman. Um, yeah. I would say also the thing with him, though, is, again, you bring another IQ. This guy played quarterback. He played running back. He played safety. He played linebacker. He returned. I mean, when you can give all that to a guy at a at a good high school program like he was at, this is a guy that can gather information quickly and retain it and do his thing. And so it'll be interesting to see if they will give him some run, especially early, but I think situationally to keep some guys fresh. And then the other guy that you heard some flashes about through fall, but I haven't heard much as lately as Sammy O. I mean, but they're that early week of fall was a guy that everybody's like, dude, I mean, even Layman on their podcast was like, dude, Sammy Omasigo, dude, that he's a dude. Like, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, but it's cooled a little bit. So we'll see if he can, I'm sure he's now drowning in the information would be my guess, right? The first week install, he gets it, gets it going. Here comes Brent. Here's the 75 variations that you need to learn this week. Um, so that's on defense. The guy on, on offense that I think that everybody assumed would redshirt, without a doubt, that won't is Caleb Hicks. I have been high on Caleb Hicks since he was in high school. Like, Jared will tell you, mm -hmm. that's been my dude that everybody's stuff you would read was like, bruiser, bruiser, bruiser. You watch him play, and it's like, okay, why am I seeing 50-yard run, 40-yard run, 60? Like, this guy's not a brute. Like, I don't understand this – like – this is not Samaj P. Ryan. This is a guy that's built yeah. like a tank, but he's got the quicks. He's got, and he's he's showing out. So I think that that's another thick guy. lower half for sure. Yeah. yeah, and then it'll be. I mean, he he definitely won't redshirt for sure. But it, what I'm interested to is in Caden Green. Um, I think Hicks kind of makes uh, he sense. Stole one of mine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, they they're gonna have to play him. I think in some way, shape, or form. It's just. What does that look like? How do they bring him along? 
those kinds of things. So I think those are my main guys that I've really been watching and saying, yeah, these guys are not, those are all dudes that if it goes right, they're three years and out of here. There's no sense in, in red shirt and that, unless you have to have it. If you are McCabe Matower, you are slightly anxious with that Caden green thing, because that dude was showing out in summer. He was yeah. showing out in spring. Uh, he has certainly showed out in fall as a guy to definitely look out for. And I think a guy that's definitely going to get his rotations in those first three games. And we'll see you from, from there. I'll go. Since you took Caden green, I'll go a couple <laughs> other guys. Then okay. um, one guy that I definitely has the possibility not to red shirt. And this is my dark horse um, is Jacoby Johnson. Yes. Uh, I really, really like how physical he is. I really like his understanding of the game. I mean, I got to go see him live a few times, you know, in high school. Uh, the guy is just, he is built like a man. <laughs> Again, they, they do not look like, he does not look like a freshman. Like a lot nah. of these guys they just brought in, they don't look like freshmen. Nope. And like coming in before the whole Schmitty workout experience. And now like after it, it's like, holy crap, like you're like an actual man now. Like nah. that's weird to think about. <laughs> Uh, so Jacoby Johnson is like a dark horse guy for me. I mean, like sure he's gotten hype in camp, but what young guy that makes it a, a player too, doesn't get too much hype. Right. And so I'm trying to maybe puff the brakes on that, but I feel confident just like Wagner, not yeah. red shirting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 100% getting so much praise from all of his coaches. And he's also been playing quite a bit uh, uh, in the fall. He camp might in, start in the scrimmages. He he's might got, be he's got opportunity. He's got an opportunity. There's, there's Woody Washington, and everybody's penciling in Gentry Williams. And I think Gentry Williams will be your CB2 in day one, but you never know, what, know what's going to happen in the course of a season, right? Right. Uh, the, the idea is the defense is certainly more locked in. They understand the playbook a lot better this time around. Uh, yeah, learns curve. Um, but they still have some of those but those Brent busts that we saw later on before we <laughs> headed, headed on to Clemson. Uh, to still maybe expect some of those. And right. so that's when things start changing around. So I'm really curious about Josiah Wagner because his name has not just been brought up occasionally. It's mm. often. Yes. And when your name is brought up that often, especially with a, let's Brent is the most honest coach Oklahoma has had, <laughs> like just straightforward yes. before, before, like before stoops, like, Lincoln Riley, like uh, it's like anything like that is a tear or an injury. Oh, it's lower body, upper body injury. I don't know. Uh, Bob, I mean, like he wasn't technically wrong, but he called <laughs> Jermaine Gresham's ACL tear. Uh, uh, oh, what do you call that thing? A, a, a severe sprain or a strain or whatever it was. And I was like, well, scientifically, he's not wrong, but like that's an ACL tear, dude. Um, But it wasn't a leg injury, you know? And uh, Brent will be like, straight up tell you, like, that guy's going to be important. That guy's important. That guy's hurt. That guy's hurt. He's dealing with this specific injury. So it's like, okay, like, I love the transparency, Brent. Like, this makes things go so much easier, but now everybody wants to talk to you because they know you'll give them answers. (laughs) Um, And so Josiah Wagner is definitely... My um, guy, do you feel? Do you feel like any of these guys we've just mentioned are like really hot takes, or do you feel like it's pretty fair? I, mean, I think it's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think it's fair just because, like you, we've already highlighted the quality of guys you're bringing in. Um, I, like we've kind of highlighted athletically and what's you know is I guess to be seen the football IQ part. They seem mm-hmm. to play that part well too. But 
like I said, that's the thing is you look at the previous years is like you brought in a guy and it's like, okay, it's going to be a little bit of a project or whatever. He has a high ceiling, but he's going to take a year or two to get there. It's like, now you got guys that's like, they have a high ceiling and they might be there week yep. one. We don't know. Right. Like they just look that, that way by um, SMU. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of, um, I had a buddy that was, uh, working with the team when Samaje came in. And it's funny story because I because I told Daryl whenever we got Samaje, we always get Samaje and Joe the same class. And I was like, dude, Samaje mm-hmm. might have a bigger impact. And he was like, he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. He's a big guy. My buddy calls me, works for the team, and is like, dude, look, Samaje just came in. He goes, best of the skill position players was like, I want to say 12 reps or something on bench. Samaje did 27 and basically wasn't even winded when he was done. And he even said that, like, <laughs> Schmitty at that time was like telling him, like, you need to chill out. Like he was selling them to lower weights and stuff. And it's like, you're getting those guys again. Like you said, like Lewis Carter and sure. all those guys that are starting to get to where like, even Schmitty is like, Whoa, Holy crap. You know? So how, how much creatine are you taking again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We might want to make him test again, you know? Um, yeah. So uh, you're starting to get some of those guys. So it's like, really, honestly, it's like, you're going to see, I feel like at the end of the season, you might have that conversation of like, Oh, you played a lot of freshmen or a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, freshmen and sophomores. So I don't think yeah. we're crazy at all. No, and it just comes back to I don't I don't know what the recipe is to being a good recruiter, right? I, I watch highlight tapes and there's guys that I think are all world that end up doing nothing. There's guys that I think eh, and they end up being, you know, the NFL Hall of Famer guy. But like we saw this last year with Brent, like, you know, like you were saying, Kamiar, like, yes, he's bringing five star guys in. PJ out of Barway was not that guy when right. they went after him. He was Mr. Three-Star You. Here comes Brent going for And then all of a sudden it just – and then if you actually watch the Under Armour game and all the – like all the – Lewis Carter, Sammy O, Jacoby – they're like, dude, this guy has stood out all week. This guy has stood out all week. This guy has – and it's like they were those guys that were like the fringe. They were all top like 100 guys, but they weren't the David Stone names. Sure. But then when they showed up with all the elite dudes, like, okay, this dude's a dude. Like, we had him down here, but this – Even Caden Green was like that. Yes, mm. yes. And so I I don't know what the philosophy change has been because Bill's obviously been on staff forever. But across the board, they just identify – even Caleb Hicks was a guy that was like, ah, he's good. Like, he's good, you know. And now we got him here, and it's like, ah. Uh, <laughs> like, sure. you know, well, you got Teddy Lehman going to practice as a defender going – I don't know how you don't give him the rock a lot. Like, I just don't know. And like, it's, it, yeah. I mean, this class could play a lot. I think what'll be interesting from a philosophical standpoint, can Brent let go of, we know what we have in the senior. Yep. And are we willing to give 20 snaps to the unknown freshman? And if he's willing to do that by the end of the year, you, you're going to either find out you got nothing or you're going to have something you're really cooking with going into the SEC. That's what piques my interest most about Brent is, is he more of a Dabo Sweeney and Bob Stoops approach where he relies on that seniority until that Texas game? Or are they just going to say you are clearly more talented, but not as experienced in the scheme? Like if you're going to make a mistake, make it at hundred miles an hour and let's see what happens and yes. have you have that live action before actually going to the sec play. And I'm really curious because of that caveat of, Hey, you're going to a new league next year. And instead of Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma, or Austin, Texas being the destination, 
there's a lot of destinations in the SEC where, like, in the Big 12, you're the destination. I mean, like, nobody's excited to go to Manhattan, Kansas. Nobody's excited to go to uh, DFW where TCU plays. Nobody's really excited. Like, the, like we didn't get to play home and homes with Texas, and yeah. that would that would have been exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, you have to uh, have the you know all of the pageantry of the Cotton Bowl, which I think is so necessary, but. That would have been the only exciting game to go to. So I'm, yeah. that's why I'm like hell bent on going to Provo, Utah and yes. seeing that BYU game because that is a destination game. Yeah. Um, and so. And by the way, talk- sorry, I'm sitting here as we're going just because our name already says we're average. But to be average, we also have to say Jackson Arnold will not be redshirting. And back to your kind of philosophy thing, sure. you've now heard Jeff Levy and Brent Venable say he will play. Like they have not. They've got packages for him. Now, we also heard Brent say last year, we're playing all these older guys. He said this in multiple press. We're playing all these older guys, and we're not giving younger guys a chance, but then the older guy makes a mistake, and he gets to go back out. We need to reevaluate playing younger guys, and then they never played younger guys. So I hope this isn't like we're talking about it in meetings, but when the bullets start flying, okay, we're just going to keep throwing out you know dg even if he's got 17 interceptions and not not give him a breather or whatever i i think uh, to be honest and i'd like to hear your guys thoughts on it i think brent's hand's going to get forced on the type of player that he's recruited the last two cycles right because we were talking about like we talked about this in the last podcast Daryl, about the offensive line and my contention was since that 2017 offensive line that was just dominant dominant like in every game and absolute bring your lunch pail they're gonna knock you on your butt and just push you around name one other guy besides maybe creed humphrey name one other player uh on the offensive line since then that has been that kind of player it's been a very athletic like we how many guys have we talked about well he's real athletic like he's a big lineman and he can run a four eight or whatever you know it's like okay cool like he's a big dude that can move but that doesn't mean that he's going to be able to move anybody um, and I think that's the same across the whole roster. I think Brent's now getting those guys that are of a different mentality, of a different mindset of really go out there and just impose your will physically, not just try to out athlete or out move somebody. And so I think in a way, I think there's going to be certain position groups that he's going to be forced to play younger guys. Speaking of Jake Taylor's another guy that's not red shirting. There's no way. And Ozida but, may not based on the way Brent talked about yeah. him. I mean, I don't, you it may is. have your you may have yourself a Creed Humphrey situation with Jake Taylor this year. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Ooh, they're that's... they're they're good. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Kids yeah. are good, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what what are so and and Daryl, I'll come to you first on this one. What are some breakouts on the team that you're expecting this year from guys that maybe have already been established or guys that transferred in like let's forget about the freshman for a second what are some guys that you think are kind of already experienced have at least a year under their belt that you might be expecting them to have not necessarily like a breakout you know massive season but a noticeable season for for oklahoma from what they experienced and what we saw last year right i mean i'm continuing to be bullish despite all the scuttle of jaron canick on kobe mckenzie um, I think that this is a guy that's going to play a lot, and especially against teams like Kansas State, where they're very bullish about running the ball. And he's a guy that's going to fill that gap, and he is not going to move, and he's not going to skip through. And that's not to say that Jaron's going to give that up. But again, 
we I am not saying Jaron's a bust. What I'm saying is Jaron's moving from safety, playing in wide open spaces, and then coming down into wide open spaces and making open field tackles to now you are moving him in that box where not only does he have to make a tackle, but he has to move himself through a 300-pound individual or double team to get there. That You don't just learn that in six months, right? Like that's just a different mm-hmm. deal. So I, I think Kobe was already much more well-established in that. Like that's what he played was that Mike backer position. I think he's the guy that's going to stand out. The other guy that despite the depth that is back there, Robert Spears Jennings, when healthy is going to play a lot. And that safety room's deep, dude. It's, it's <laughs> no. deep, but I don't know, man. I, I don't, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out in the sense of, while I think that um, Billy Bowman is elite athletically mm-hmm. and I think he is elite mentally. He's another guy like Key Lawrence for me. Key Lawrence is a very good player until it comes down to making the right angle and putting himself in the position to make an open field tackle. It's not sure. very good. Right. Right. Billy on the other hand has good angles, but when it comes time to hit, it's like he just does not have that pop behind him. And, I mean, that's why you see Texas fans constantly putting the highlight out of him getting thrown to the ground on a stiff arm. And yeah. there's actually, like, two other games that that happened with him. And it actually was in a highlight they showed uh, from a scrimmage the other day that that happened to him. And so RSJ, on the other hand, when he brings it, you are going backwards. And it will be fascinating to see how that plays out between those two because I think he's taken a massive jump in the offseason. Offensively, I know Nick Anderson's the buzz, man. I want Jaden Gibson to work out. So I'm going to say Jaden Gibson will be the guy, because I think everyone's written him off as the drops guy and that he can't, you know, he can't do it. But if he can get his hands on the ball and squeeze it, he's a game changer on offense. I like that. Uh, Jared, what are you thinking? Some breakouts. Well, I, so one of my breakouts is going to be, be like, how is that a breakout? But I'm going to go Austin Stogner. Um, the reason being is I still I like don't think it. he's lived. I don't think he's lived up to his potential. Right. Sure. Um, at either obviously at OU or at um, South, South Carolina. Carolina. And so I think he's for one, there's going to be the um, weight of pressure on him to produce and succeed mm-hmm. because that, that's another room that's really, really thin um, with a lot of unproven talent. Um, so he's gonna have to take a leadership role and really produce. So I think he's gonna, I, I'm gonna go like full sunshine mode here and just be like, I think he's gonna be a dude that's going to produce way more. Like he's gonna live up to that potential of when he was coming out of high school and everybody was super hyped about. So I don't, I know it's maybe not quite a breakout, but you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, there's, there's obviously that's, and it's a very uh, important position group. Um, the other guy I'm gonna go is Trace Ford. Um, I think he's a guy nice. that could really, really produce. And like you said, another um, kind of, at least for this year, a deep, um, deep position group or whatever. But it's like he's give him some Schmitty workouts, get him in a scheme where he can be aggressive. And it's like, honestly, like I'm watching him play at Oklahoma State. It was one of those things of I felt like they were always like pulling on his reins a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like he could really produce to the level he could. So I think he's a guy that's going to really come out and shock some people, even even if he's kind of a guy that's a little highly touted. I want you guys to imagine a world where Oklahoma uses a nickel formation, but it's a two, four, five where Rondo Bothroyd goes inside along with Dejon Terry 
and they use like Trace Ford and PJ Adebowari on the outsides. And then, of course, Danny Sussman and Jaron Kanick in the middle. Uh, that is very exciting third down football. Uh, yes. It's a lot of speed. It's a lot of blitzing. That's a lot of guys hunting a quarterback. And sounds like a lot of fun. I, I, I really like that. I really like that you mentioned that. I would say, and one of these is a take that probably, I think people are like, I think are, do my thing is pretty hot. Um, my first one is Angel Anthony. Um, oh, good call. He's a guy that's been talked about quite often, uh, especially he's been he's been adopting a leadership role, uh, mm-hmm. especially being vocal in practice, catching balls here and there. Um, he's a guy that's a burner. Um, he's a guy that I think contributes often as well. My next one breakout on the team, Jackson Arnold. Oh, here we go. He's got the inside scoop. I think this man is going to be playing significant. He'll, he'll be playing snaps. He's not redshirting. I think he plays significant snaps. I mean, like, sure, Dylan Gabriel had that really nice promo video yesterday, and it was beautiful, and I'm sure it took him a, a week to Photoshop it. Uh, but you all know that these fourth or fifth time that he overthrows a a wide open guy on third down or makes a horrible decision in practice. Like we all do, of course, um, in pivotal situations. And especially when you really have to have it, that Jackson Arnold is, has earned his fifth star. It's very clear to the coaching staff that he is he he earned his fifth star for a reason he's throwing guys wide open um and not necessarily throwing him where they are at in the general area etc he's throwing them open that is second year third year stuff and there's a reason why they went after him in particular and why he was seen as like a guy that if you readjusted the recruiting rankings that he might even be a little bit further more up it's pretty intriguing to think about it so i think jackson arnold i mean it's kind of like a tebow situation yeah. He definitely plays a lot that first year, especially getting ready for next year in the SEC, because you don't want that, that quarterback's first year to be in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think that role expands, especially yeah. if Gabriel mm-hmm. does not produce what you think he will or doesn't sharpen his skills, especially that Texas game is always that pivotal game of the year where you make those hard decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. And I think Jackson Arnold just in general is a breakout, but also I think he could break out quite a bit more. And so on the flip side of that, uh, Daryl come to you. Uh, What are some guys that you're still, maybe you see, you still maybe have question marks about not necessarily disappointments or busts because we obviously haven't seen them play yet. They've had another off season, uh, more practice, et cetera. What are you? What are guys that you're not too sure about their position or just their where they're at on their starter status? Oh man! Well, this is gonna sound crazy, but the guy that I've been having that thought of most lately is Jaleel Farouk, mm. um, because, totally and I don't. Sure. I mean, again, like I'm not out there. I can't see, but like you just don't hear his teammates talking about it. Right. Like, and that's so the, Gavin Freeman, and again. Right? There's mm-hmm. so many new toys in the room, right? That maybe it's just we know who, who he is and what he is. So when he made that catch, we don't care. Whereas right. Jaden Gibson dropped like seven balls in the spring game and he's showing out right now. So we want to talk about him. And 
We didn't know what we have in Jacquez Petaway, but he's he's a guy one. And then the other two for me are Downs and Grimes. I I don't really know what's about to happen with them. And I especially I honestly hate it for both of them because Grimes actually came here believing in this vision that he got sold on about rebuilding this defense. And then those guys leave at midnight. Right. And, and then not only that, but then the coach that comes in is the guy you dreamed. He, he said it. I begged Brent Venables to take me at Clemson and he wouldn't take me. And now you get to play for him and you may be out. And then Ethan Downs obviously is just a, OU, you, you know, Yep. Just an OU head, man. Same kid cried himself to sleep when OU lost to Texas, you know, with the three times that happened in the last 20 years. But whatever, like, those were the moments that he couldn't handle. And now I don't know what his role is for sure on this team or how they use him. So those are the three guys, I think, above all that I've just been like, man, what's – how's that going to go? Like, what are we – you know, sure. uh, what's going to happen there? I totally, I and, and I totally agree with your take on Downs in particular. He's a guy that he he had to have a heck of a fall camp yeah. for him to stay in any sort of starter role in any capacity. R. Mason Thomas coming on, Trace Ford coming on. You already know what you already you already know what you have in Rondo Bothroyd. Yeah. He's a guy that he ha- is is going to have to work his butt off still uh, mm-hmm. with this fall camp already uh, concluding and now going into game week. We'll see what happens and who they trot out. Sure, yeah. against the Archie State uh, on, on this coming Saturday, next I guess a week from today. But uh, I, I'm very curious about that Downs thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Jared, yeah. what, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I've got to go with. I mean, I'm going to steal another one or basically piggyback off yours, Daryl. Farouk is a guy that to me, when I look at him, it's very high ceiling and very low floor with not much in between, right? Mm-hmm. As far as what he's going to be able to produce this year. Um, I, I just, like I said, it's been one of those guys that you've kind of left scratching your head. Cause like you've heard positives about him a lot of times. He seems to have a lot of the tools you need. And like, he just hasn't gone to that level yet. Like, you know, he has a flash and then that's it. Um, so, you know, that's a guy that I'm kind of left scratching my head. I think this is one of those years that if he's going to, um, make a career out of football, it's, this is the year that he's going to have to try to find that high ceiling and really produce. So there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him. Um, and I, of course, I agree with you on downs. Um, you know, I guess um, <laughs> downs on downs, all three of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it sucks because I like the kid a lot. Like, sure. I think he's a, yeah. he's a high motor. He's nice. Kid. He's so yeah. kind. Yeah. yeah, he's a he seems like a genuinely good dude. He's a real high motor, high effort guy, and it's just. I, well, again, I, it's I, a it's a okay bleeds OU guy. Like those, we love those stories. Like we love the Sam Bradfords. Yeah. Like we love you want like, him to right? succeed. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, God. And, I mean, even, like, hearing that he dropped, like, 15 pounds to try to get some of his his quicks back, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not the guy's not – like, this isn't a guy that we're pissed off because he won't go do what Schmitty's asking him to do or he's not changing his diet. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is a guy that's giving everything and more than what you ask. And it just kind of mm-hmm. sucks to think, like, I mean, yeah, dude, but – I mean, honestly, Trace and Bothroyd are already ahead of you right now. Guys like, coming in, yeah. Our Mason put on his thirty pounds. That's that's going to be a problem. And then, then you just look across the field and go, where? How? Like the aliens landed here? Oh, that's PJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like you know, and so it's like, how many I, snaps do you have to pass around? You know, exactly. 
Yeah, and we yeah. don't want to play a thousand snaps this year in the conference, right? Yeah. So you're not wrong um, about that. So <laughs> yeah. well, and you know what's funny is my my other one's kind of almost in the same boat of like there's just so much talent coming in. There's so much talent, or really some even raw talent. Um, I'm gonna go Keith Lawrence. I know that that's probably like a crazy oh, take, but call. it's it's one of those things of there's so many guys that could fill that position. And again, a guy that's shown like we've watched, like he's even had full games. We were like, dude, this guy gets it. Yep. And then the very next game he comes out and you're like, dude, he doesn't know where he is. Like, um, <laughs> so it's, it's, he's a very hit or miss. So it's like, if he can get that lined up, it'll be great. But like right now he's got, a, he's got a lot of guys nipping at his heels to kind of try and uh, try to come steal that spot. And it's the same thing as where you're looking at your secondary and it's like, you actually have like, while, you know, you have a lot of guys that could float around in different positions in that secondary that are high ceiling guys that they may, like you said, want to get uh, a Peyton Bowen or, you know, whoever to try to get out there and get some experience. And if they show out, you know, what, what's it going to be? So uh, I think he Lawrence is my other guy. I hope he does well. And I think he has all the tools, but it's, is he going to be able to put it together on a consistent basis? And I think that, I think that critique is really necessary because he, out of all the safeties, is the guy that probably hasn't had the most impressive camp, even though we've seen highlights of guys, you know, intercepting certain balls, yada, yada. Key Lawrence had one of those on Twitter uh, or, or X as we're, as it is on the on our phones now. Um, but, yeah, Key Lawrence hasn't really been too intriguing in practice in lieu of our Robert Spears Jennings and our Billy Bowmans and our cheetah positions, et cetera. And so uh, Reggie Pearson, that guy caused like three fumbles in a week. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. We hadn't uh, even talked and, about him as a breakout guy. And yeah. That's, that's it, another one. He's he, and, he, and it was very intentional. It was very intentional about this defense, really getting back on the right track and getting all that experience. And it, I think it's going to pay, pay dividends for them. So I only have one guy left because we talked about a, a few other, the other ones is Andrew Rame. Oh, there needs to be a real call. conversation about Andrew Rame. Um, I mean, Ugh, let's this, oh, wait, are you are you criticizing the offensive line, Kamiyar? Because uh, I mean, Bill Beatonbow knows what he's doing, Kamiyar. You should just stop now. He, you know, you know, it's just for. I feel comfortable with. I, I feel comfortable with the majority off with the offensive line, right? Walter Rouse, that guy should be. From what I, from what I understand, that guy should be all Big Twelve selection and in any capacity at the end of the season. Savion Bird, if he did put on that extra weight, if he lives up to the hype that he's expected to, should be another all Big Twelve selection. Tyler Guyton is a guy you like and a guy you somewhat trust from last year, um, and is also a guy's put on good weight to make it actually work. And then so you actually look at some of the other positions and you say, okay, McKay, McKay Tower. Uh, people are going to make him the goat uh, as far as like the bad goat uh, where they're like, oh, it's his fault. But in reality, I mean, like there's film out there where Rame's the one that the, the plague is blown up on, but it's going to fall in the tower's hands. And that's where I think you might have a Jake Taylor situation as far as I mean, they brought in the guy from Appalachian State they, for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, they um, and when you're bitching and yelling at the coaches, well, I can get that many snaps in spring practice. That doesn't look good. That's a yeah. bad look. <laughs> and if that's supposed to be your center, the guy that's calling out everything right in front of you, that's kind of problematic. And so for me, 
I'm very wait and see on Andrew Rame. Um, I wonder if he can move bodies or if he's just that smart guy that is going to get blown in the backfield just like Ty Darlington did. Um, I don't know <sighs> about Andrew Rame, and yeah. that's one of that's like obviously the center's besides the left tackle is the most significant spot on that offensive line. And I mean, I, I would not be at all surprised if he starts a couple games, but eventually gets supplanted. Um, wow. He's just, and by no means would I say like, is he, you know, a guy that wouldn't be able to ever start Oklahoma. And I don't question maybe his driver's ability, but I do sometimes question his physicality uh, yes. that, I mean, I've seen film that he just gets blown up. And of course, yeah, if you're right next to John Terry or Isaiah Coe, sometimes that will happen. But, I mean, you don't want to be the weak link on that offensive line. And, right. heck, if there's any weak, weak link on an offensive line, you definitely don't want it to be center. Yeah. And so that's that's a spot where I still have a lot of question marks. And so – Well, and you, you also have a guy that last year, what, probably about 15% of his snaps were off target, like high, yeah. low, which – through timing off a of play. I mean, I, well, and can I can I ask one back to both of y'all? Sorry to like just yeah, jump yeah, from yeah, right. yeah. Is that okay? So this question is a little bit in that Jaleel Farouk category. Is Woody Washington in that position? And I'm a Woody so. Washington fan. I love I've yeah. I now last year I felt like things were off a little bit. But it sure. was a more, I mean, again, I was in the same boat as everything of this is new. They're actually being asked to disguise coverage because they're actually running more than two. And Instead of look at wristband and go. Yes, yeah. right. And so I, I, I know all, but like, again, like, again, not at practice, but he hasn't made a highlight run of any kind in any footage that we've seen. His name's not really out there other than just he's the old head. Um, and he's the vocal guy in the room, but again, like you are hearing lots of things about Josiah Wagner. You have heard a little bit of buzz here and there about Gentry. You, you know, like, I mean, I think he's supplanted there, but is the athleticism and the bulldogishness that we've seen of these younger guys kind of the same way that by week five, I mean, if you're not really turning the ball over, do we need somebody else out there to make it happen? I feel like Woody's got, I think Woody already has enough skins on the wall to the point where they're not even just talking about him. I think it's an automatic assumption. assumption. Jared, what do you, Jared, what do you think? Cause I think Woody Washington is slated at CB one. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I, def, I, I agree with you. I don't think that there's, it would take something catastrophic for him to, I think, lose that spot. Um, like consistent but, busts or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with last year, I think Brent came in knowing. Uh, I mean, I think you could look almost at everybody across that defense of the the across the defense and say like they all had some crazy weird games or busts or whatever. And it's because it's a new system. But you know, I've been saying this repeatedly on our pod of it's you know Brent's system is so complex. Like I said, it's it's notorious that when he's at Oklahoma and Clemson, guys would go to the NFL Combine and they'd be like, dude, this film study is easy because our defense was ten times that complex. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and I, so I think that there's a lot to say there. So yeah, with Woody, I don't think it's that big a deal. And just to touch on Rame again, um, real quick, <laughs> it just like to, looking at him, it's like, he also had like a lot of really weird issues, like off the field where like, you mm -hmm. know, I never really got like, there was a lot of rumors as to what was happening. He wasn't happy with snaps or whatever it was. 
and it's like when you start having those things from a guy that's supposed to be your leader, like you said, on your, that's the yeah. quarterback of your offensive line, a lot more question marks for me with Rain than there would be with Woody Washington. I mean, I don't think Woody's Fact. concrete at number one, but it's like you said, it's going to take a lot to un, un uh, dethrone him from that position. Yeah, that that when when I heard the whole Rain situation, I was like, oh, that's that's not that's not good. That's uh, a <laughs> Don't like that. bad sign but <laughs> but you know like i they had that open meeting with brent they had that open meeting with B, uh with bill and um i mean like he stay he's in stays in norman he's been taking a lot of first team snaps still so he must have done something to course correct but at the same time still get paused from him because jake taylor is waiting mm. uh i'm forgetting his name but the guy from appalachian state they he uh, sure he plays shoot. he plays guard but he Played center at Appalachian State. Yes, he did. And Caden Caden Green can easily move inside to play center. And so there are there are lots of guys that are just chomping at the bit because they're physical enough. And those are the kinds of players that they're operating with. And so with all this like mystery of like who we think might Everett. be a breakout. Troy Everett. Oh, sorry. Troy Everett. That's right. It was Troy Everett. Thank you. Um because speaking to these mysteries of like who we think could be these predictions, who we could think could break out, who we think might be not necessarily disappointed, but under maybe a little bit underwhelming according to our expectations from the years past going into the season, etc. Let's just think about it, like predicting the outlook for the season, because we are t- tomorrow starts or for today, if you're listening on a Sunday um, starts game week. It's yeah. it's a week from actual week one. T- tonight is week zero on Saturday, and so, Jared, I'm gonna come to you first. How do you feel about this season? Like, what does it look like? Wins, losses, and just before bowl the before the bowl game. Let's just say they're they're twelve games. How confident are you in this team? In executing their plans because last year they would get up by two scores and then get let down in the fourth quarter. We saw it like four or five times, too many Mm -hmm. times. How do you think this team finishes responds from last year? And what do you think their record is like before the bowl game? So I, I'm going to, I'm going to go, Again, probably a little sunshine because I've been thinking about it a lot because we're we're finally week zero is here. College football's been on my mind like all week. So <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say realistically, I think they go ten and two. Um and that's and that's pretty high. I know it's higher than a lot of people, but it's like really when you the more I've thought about it, you look about last season, you highlighted it. How many games did they lose by such a slim margin? Right? Like by mm-hmm. it was even a play or two away. Um and again, new systems on offense, new systems on defense um you know you had um like i said really when you look at it there was gonna we knew we should have known there's gonna be a lot of turbulent waters for brent and company um it's like i think they're gonna be able to you know it's not gonna be perfect i don't think they're gonna be challenging for a national title by any stretch but i think they can be right up there for the big 12 or big 12 championship conversation um just based on the big 12 being weaker them really um, correcting a lot of those things and, and aligning the the team to what they want it to be, I, I think that they could actually have a special season and actually surpass what I think a lot of people are, you know, because I've heard a lot of like eight and fours and seven and fives or whatever, and it's like I think those those could happen. Like it's a very wide range of what could happen for this team, 
but uh, I think ten and two, and I like I would say I'm probably like seventy mm, percent confident. Like I'm I'm pretty confident that they're gonna do something like that. Nine, they're ten and two, nine and three, somewhere in that range. Is there anything you're specifically looking for uh, for this team heading into the season? I mean, it's the it's the shift in mentality is the I think the biggest thing. I mean, we can go on about all the other stuff about, like I said, the complex uh, complexity of the systems and Brent's philosophies and all those other things. Those are great, but it's going to be that um, bring you, like I said, bring your lunch pail is how I call it. Bring your lunch pail type team of just you're not you're going to push people around. You're going to knock people on their butts. The stuff that we saw. Uh, you know, early in Bob Stoops' career um, here and things like that. And the thing you're going to need to go into the SEC is what you're going to need to start really getting to because you you, you play Vanderbilt, right? And they're going to have guys that are just going to want to push you around. That's just how it is in the SEC. Um, so that's what I'm going to be looking for is to see us just go out and absolutely knock people off the ball on either side in the trenches and just lay the lumber in the secondary, those sorts of things. I mean, it's just going to be the that 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 dial of physicality that we saw basically get turned off uh under lincoln and company i want to see that thing start getting turned towards closer to 11 that's what i'm looking for is the physicality and actually just hitting people mm-hmm. i i like that and i i think that's a big emphasis on brent's new style is getting back to that the oklahoma way of not just tackling somebody and drag and like you being dragged for an extra yard or two, like instead of second and seven, it is second and nine because you've punched them backwards. And that's a totally just different like mindset and physicality, if you will, uh, from your training regimen all the way to your coaches, just instructing you on what to do. So Daryl, same question. Like what's your outlook on the season? How many wins do you think they have? What, what are your thoughts really? about this team and how many wins do you think they end up with before a, a, a conference championship games and bowl season? Um, I mean, I think it's a nine win team. I've, I've held to that and saying that I think that that's about where they are. I think that Texas is loaded and as much as I hate to say that from a pure talent standpoint um, in the trenches, especially they have brought in and developed guys over a longer period in the system, right? All those things. Um, and so I've got to give them the edge still. It will not be a 49, nothing game to go around. It'll be a war, but they, they've got that there. Um, there there's usually then after that, right? I think their other slip ups are, um, there's always a team that has no business beating Oklahoma for the last 20 years that just does. And it doesn't be inexcusable loss. No. And a team I have circled is SMU Uh, early in the year, lots of transfers. Like you just, I mean, you got a, you got a coach on that staff that desperately wants to prove he should have been kept on this staff and he wasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got a couple players over there that have left. So, I mean, all that stuff. Uh, but a, a, a game like that. And then in the Big 12, too, that's always been fun. There's always a team that rises that nobody, like, nobody saw TCU coming. Nobody yeah. saw that coming. Baylor, the year that Baylor went to the conference, nobody saw that coming, right? There's always a team that goes from down to up. And I think that we're going to run into that game. Now, what am I looking for in this team? I think that early on, if things go the way we think, they're going to be winning and winning comfortably. What's going to happen the first time they're in the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game? 
Like kind of like last year we saw with the defense, right? That that trend back to once things start going bad, it just snowballed and, you know, they just couldn't pull themselves back together type stuff. Does that happen? Um, I think is a big one. I want to see Jeff Levy. My second thing I'm looking for this year is Jeff Levy to be more consistent. And then the third thing that I am looking for in um, within the season, and I just lost my whole train of thought, uh, and it's left me now. Oh my gosh! How did I he's just a, lose that a, in there? He's a uh, dementia-riddled boomer, is what he is. <laughs> I'm a, yes, I've got too many kids running around. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long day. It has it been now? a long day. There's no doubt about that. Uh, well, yeah, Levy is the other one. It'll come back to me. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. It's the playing the young guys. It's the rotating players and playing the young. Like so, not like again. There's some of these guys that you just know what they are. That's that's what you got. They're a senior. I, Isaiah Coe is probably a great example. It, even if he raises his level a little bit, you kind of know what you got. Okay. But what mm-hmm. do you have in some of the young guys behind? What is Davon Sears? Like, is he like, yeah. is he a dude or not? Like, let's find out. And so rotate those guys and play the young guys. And I, I think that's important to say. I mean, again, I, I think they were super intentional on bringing in so much experience on defense for a reason. And of course, you also have Makari Vickers, who I think does end up redshirting. Um, Peyton Bowen, there's no way. I I'm intrigued by the SMU game. I'm not necessarily like, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see that Archie State game, but even then, they should win by several scores. But the SMU game does intrigue me quite a bit. I mean, that Tulsa game is going to be a home game, like it is every year. They go to right. Tulsa. There's going to be more OU fans in the stands. And so I'm I'm going nine and three as well uh, for the bowl game. Of course, like there could be that inex- inexplicable loss uh, again. I think that, like you mentioned, there is a lot of youth on this team, and there's a lot of youth that they're going to rely on. Oklahoma typically has never really fumbled the ball over the last twenty something years, <laughs> and uh, you've got Javante Barnes in there, Gavin Sawchuck, and a bunch of young guys. Uh, you also have an inexperienced wide receiver core with the exception of Jaleel Farouk and Drake Stoops. With Drake is probably your most clutch wide receiver you're bringing back or you're the guy that's produced the most clutch plays. Yep. I did like uh, the breakout for Stogner. I think he's going to be a massive target over the middle. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's going to be a security blanket for both Arnold and Gabriel and their respective playing times in my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, something that I'm really looking for in particular is I like that you mentioned Lebby. I'm looking for that Lebby and Venables connection. Mm, is there a, a snap count? Is there a Florida, that, that Florida state game? That's the most I had ever seen them huddle in a game that entire season. And it worked out well on mm-hmm. offense. And so have they figured out what that formula is going to be like? Besides we've spent three passing downs, 13 seconds and now you're punting the ball you know and it's and that's not something oklahoma can do especially this year but they can also run the ball a lot more if they feel a lot more comfortable with that offensive line going into week one than they did really any point last year uh with the the exception maybe the last few weeks and so that they're going to be leaning on the offensive line so i think nine and three is feels right especially if i am saying that Jackson Arnold is likely going to play extended snaps. Uh, I don't think 10 and two would be right there. And I think, you know, their schedule, it's pretty soft. 
Yeah. And they can lean on that run game, which means they can lean on that uh, play action game. And that's something that's going to be really, really useful for burners like Andrew Anthony, Jaden Gibson, um, uh, 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 Petaway, uh, Gavin Thompson. Freeman, Brennan yeah. Thompson. Exactly. Guys that can just get climb up yeah. field, go vertical. I think it's going to be such a big point of emphasis for them. So I can see nine and three pretty easily. And I think, mm-hmm. think that's pretty fair. And I don't think that's like anybody in, like here right now. It, it thinks that's outlandish because I mean, Jared, you went 10 and two Daryl, you and I both went, you know, nine and three. I think that's yep. pretty much the consensus, you know, like if it's a seven win season, something I feel like has gone terribly wrong. Cause that schedule yeah. is charming soft. <laughs> uh, it is it, I, I it's to the point where i'm telling my dad already i'm like yo we need to book tickets to stillwater now so i can be the most obnoxious abhorrent yes. fan ever because yes. they should be thrashing them in stillwater just yes. on paper yes and so the last thing i want to get to before before i let you guys go right your mark he made some huh. comments this week has nothing to do with ou no. And we were talking about this before the pod. Again, I keep on mentioning this. We sh- we should just start recording like every podcast when we get on and like sell that extra content. Like, hey, yeah. do you want to know our intrusive thoughts for the first ten to fifteen minutes yes. before we actually start podcasting? Yes. Oh, uh, and just gosh. like sell that, I guess, a subscription for like a dollar and see like what happens at the end of the month, you know? Uh, because I think fans would be really interested to listen to that too, just in general. Yes. But you know, of course, like Brett, your mark. Of course, we talked about how. Venables, I bet Texas staff is doing the same thing, like preparing themselves mm-hmm. for phantom calls. And like, hey, it's one and twenty, one and twenty now. Sorry, you know it happens. Yeah. I guess yeah. you know football. Um, Oklahoma's doing the same, and so what do we also think of Brett Yormark's comments on and on? And Gerald, come to you first. What do we think about Brett Yormark's comments on Joe McGuire? Because they Texas Tech is on the come up because of Joe McGuire and how he's uh, respected uh, as a recruiter as well. That's really helped him. Him specifically saying that he's going to Austin and they should take care of businesses basically like they did last year. How do you feel about that? Because I think there's two sides of the coin on this. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, a, a lot of OU and Texas fans are going to hate Brett Yormark. Um, and uh, probably rightfully so to some degree. The thing is, is like when I look at him from a completely like step out of my OU uh, bubble or whatever, he's doing all the right things. Like he's he's actually doing a lot of things that OU and Texas fans have wanted uh, to do for the last 10 years. Yeah. Like, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, since since literally since what Missouri and Texas A&M left is what they've been Mm -hmm. basically asking for. Yep. And he's not only doing that, he's doing new things and thinking outside of the bubble with like their what was it? The big 12 home game thing or whatever they're calling yeah. that thing. Like all those the things Mexico are really... city game. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, he's doing a lot of really cool stuff. So in a way it's like, and it, he, that's what he's going to do. He's, he will have to kind of stop for a second. It's like he's, he's here to hype the big 12, not just for this year, but for the next 10 years or whatever. Yeah. That's how he's going to get TV deals. That's how he's going to bring in any new teams as apparently we're going to have a premier league of college football. Um, so in a way, it's like it doesn't really bother me. I think that's he's saying what he has to say. Uh, I don't think he has another move. Um, but it's like it's also like he's going to, um, he's going to fan that flame. So like people just have to kind of let it go. I mean, it is really annoying to some degree because OU in Texas, like he hasn't acknowledged at the same way. Like I wish he would give a little bit of respect to be like OU in Texas have carried the conference for 
23 years or however long that they've both been back to prominence. You know, even when Texas wasn't uh, that good, Texas was still bringing in more money than in, in, OU and Texas were by far. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, you put them together, it's like they were more than the rest of the Big 12 combined, bringing in money. Um, so you wish he would do that, but, you know, it is what it is. Like, I don't think it's that big a deal uh, to some degree, but it's like I also hope we just absolutely – there's that part of me that's just like, I want us, I want, like, I will actually be cheering for Texas, you know, um, <laughs> for once in my life when it's, you know, um, when it's so difficult to take those words taste terrible coming out of my mouth. But, um, but wouldn't yeah, it be it, beautiful though, to see an OU Texas big 12 title game on the last year oh they're there. Gosh. Oh yeah. yeah they're going to do everything in their powers to not make that happen or not right. let that happen. But that is the nightmare scenario, according to Philip Slavin, uh, for uh, in the in the and our poke friends up in Stillwater. Yeah, yeah. I the, can you imagine the 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 absolute volume of the SEC chant if that happens? Like the they, like the whole game will just be SEC chanting like the entire game. So I can't do it. I can't do it. I told I told somebody what's funny is like there's a little bit of a bond like for the first time in maybe the history of college football. That OU Texas fan, OU and Texas fans have this bond of like, screw the Big Twelve, we're going to the SEC. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, there's a little bit of like a handshake of like, yeah, sure. It's kind of like an I see you moment. Like, yeah. I, I, it's like I see you. Like, yeah. we understand. Uh, Same yeah, page. I still, I still hate you, but we got this thing. So you know, it's like yeah, it, literally, this is turning into an episode of Yellowstone, right? Like. Like the, yes. the the they they have some people that are their enemies. Somebody else shows up in town. They're like, okay, we're friends until we get these people gone. Then we hate each other again. Like that's yeah. literally yeah. what this is shaking down to be, right? Like it's in that. But like, okay, so I'll echo Jared. His job is to talk up the Big Twelve. Like right. I can't be mad at him about that. At the same time, here's the here's the things that rub me wrong. If he knows the scuttlebutt that's gone around about the lack of calls for OU in Texas last year that like, I mean, legitimately when you put the statistics to it are insane. Yeah. It, it really does add credence to an illegitimate conference, right? Like now maybe he was not aware of that. He kind of came in post all that stuff. And so I'll give him that credit. But the other side is when regardless that OU and Texas are leaving the conference. So even for this year, while we're here, let's be honest, we're not big 12 and he doesn't see us that way, Mm -hmm. but to go out of his way to say, I will be in Austin for your game, not, Hey coach, I hope you end it on a high note in the big 12. Like if he just said that everything's fine. Right? Like if he just said, Mm -hmm. I hope you continue doing what you're doing. It's been fun to see what you're building. I'm ready to see you guys really step up to this. Yeah, take that right? next step. Yeah, exactly. But he didn't. He said, I'll be in Austin. And I don't care what your record is. I don't really care if you win the Big 12. But I'll be in Austin. And I want to see you win that game like you did last year. That's where it even, like, really piqued everyone's interest and got the hornet's nest all started up or whatever. But I, I don't know. And is there really a conspiracy? Like, I surely hope not. Like, right. You know, like, I mean, look, there's a human element to all this. Like, I don't believe for a second that no referee doesn't sports gamble. Like, sure. Th- th- yeah. All that I stuff. I mean, Iowa there. State's having trouble with it with their own quarterback. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. yeah. 
and apparently he's not any good at betting on the own lines in the yeah. very locker room that he's inside of. But anyway, the I video mean, like, is like, Hey, don't video that. That's technically illegal. And it gets posted immediately, which yes. is my favorite part. I mean, like, so it's all there, but I surely they're not talking, Hey, do what you have to do to keep. I mean, let's hope this isn't remember the Titans, right? Like let's sure. not, let's not do that. I hope, but that's, that's where everybody's heads at. And I, I agree with what you guys had to say. The, the man is in the – so, like, we have to keep in mind where Brett Yormark, where he's coming from. It's the entertainment business. Yeah. The Big 12 went on a tangent and weren't looking for a Bowlesby or weren't looking for a Sankey kind of guy. There, They went for oh. the guy off the grid. And like like Jared, you said, like, he's trying all kinds of different things. And people are into it. Like, yeah. this – conference even like when oklahoma and texas leaves it's gonna be a great basketball conference too yeah um and i i think part of it is the majority of it if we will is him just just like all the other universities when oklahoma and texas said hey going to the sec they invited us giving us a big paycheck you guys can earn your own 15 mil we'll go ahead and get you know a lot more than that in the sec and uh, like you saw the SC, uh, you saw Oklahoma State's uh, university's president come out and you know talk about oh it's so bad and Mike Gundy oh it's about money and everything else uh, while the Big Twelve is now engulfing the entire Pac twelve I uh, tried so they're also you know getting money from that but you know, we're not going to talk about that right now uh, <laughs> <laughs> conveniently how that works out I know you know. Uh, but he's going to bat for his conference, yeah. and that—that's the way I, I viewed it. But at the same time, it's that weird feeling, right? It's yeah. like, well, you looked at it last year, and people always can point to and say, "Well, technically, you can call holding on almost every play." Well, yeah, right. technically that's true. And Oklahoma did not get the benefit of the doubt of that, and neither did Texas. No. Uh-oh. And but all, all the other teams did. So it's like, what is going on here? Did they just get horrifying crews? Is it because those good crews played after 11 a.m.? Who knows? Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, just want to play Nebraska at night. That's all we're asking for. It's Again, all, gets that. And, and and so I think it's the majority of it's yes to go to, to, to bat for his conference that he knows he'll have for the next subsequent however many years because it's seemingly working out very well for them. They get primetime neon Dion into the conference the next yeah. year. And Gosh. then you're engulfing the, the Arizona schools and it's perfect to fit with Utah just right there. It's like, yeah. and then you're also, you got Cincinnati going on. So now mm-hmm. they can uh, with UCF, so they can link up back with West Virginia. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, I, I think it's more so just him, like you guys were mentioning going to bat for the conference, but also, yeah. On the flip side of that same coin, it does feel like he's jilting Oklahoma and Texas. And to Daryl, to your point, I like that you mentioned, he views these teams, OU and Texas, these are SEC teams playing in the Big 12 for a year. Yep. And you hope yep. there's no tomfoolery behind it, but we all have all seen so many sports documentaries where that's certainly not the case. <laughs> um, but right. sometimes things are just simply as they are. And yeah. so... Uh, just let the chips lay, uh, lay where they do fall. But it's intriguing to say nonetheless. But I'm not going to keep you guys on for another hour. Um, <laughs> but I do want to thank you guys, Jared and Daryl, uh, from the Just OK Sports podcast, where they discuss more than just so you football. There's a lot more content that, you know, Dark Daryl, I enjoy those podcasts <laughs> when Dark Daryl comes out. OK, they're very 
important to the fabric of my life when I listen to my podcast, <laughs> when I'm like on a jog or just in the gym. It's good content. If you're not listening to this podcast that they have, you guys should be listening to the podcast and subscribing to it everywhere. Uh, Daryl, Jared, where can the fans find you like on Twitter or on socials and YouTube or anything else? As far as social media goes, Twitter's our main. So just it's just OK Sport on there um, that you can find us at on there. As far as the pod itself, I mean, Apple, Spotify, Google, and then YouTube. We've started putting our videos up on YouTube as well. So um, that's been really fun. And so, again, jump in. Um, we're working to try to start doing some more live stuff um, like everybody else is because we really do. I mean, especially on Dark Daryl nights, I know for a fact, like Sunshine in the Discord, like, loses his mind and, like, is texting me as he's listening to the pod so we want to get some of that more like real like real engagement because again like a little bit like like we're not journalists we're not insiders we're not like we're fans that just try to watch the games and take what little we know about the game sure. and, and hit it up man so yeah find us at those spots man we'd really appreciate it we're i'm, I'm gonna say something that daryl's gonna absolutely hate and i'm even gonna hate that i'm gonna say it we're like colin coward in the but like that we're funny because we're wrong 95% of the time. Yeah. It's just, we're funny. That's the only difference between us calling coward is we're actually funny and entertaining. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's, it's a good time. Like I said, the, the dark Daryl stuff is fun. We have a good time, but yeah, we're, we're definitely all over the place. And uh, it's, it's like I said, we love your podcast. We love, uh, we love that you invite us on. It's amazing. Oh, I, I would be remiss to not have you guys on a podcast on every single year. I just am managing my time better uh, as, a, as going back to school, doing the whole PhD thing. I'm just managing my time better this year. So, I didn't get have you guys on last year. And I was like, I need to have those guys on this year. Cause again, anybody listening to this podcast, you need to go subscribe to it, follow them on Twitter, and then also get in the Discord with us. I'll drop the link yes. in the bio of this yes, episode yes. so you can even interact with all of us and like in the voice channels. We're thinking about doing Steven uh, talked about I was talking to him the, the other day and uh, maybe doing some weekly voice chats and recording those maybe as some sort of podcast uh, material too. maybe some post game stuff as well. Using the voice channel for that, that could be a really intriguing or a very, very toxic oh, environment, depending uh, upon yeah. the day, uh, especially at OU Texas in October. So we'll see how that oh, turns man. out. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Daryl and Jared, for joining. I, uh, I I love your guys' podcast. I mean, I mentioned it a million times already before, but really, guys, if you're not listening to it, please go subscribe. It's amazing. And give them all the amazing reviews because they deserve it because they've been working hard for a long time. And, well, we'll check you guys later. <laughs>